RTB AM. I was really triggered. We don't want Johnny Sexton having any part of any Netflix curse ahead of the World Cup. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Jenny Claffey is with us to talk tennis. Colin Holzer here. Jenny, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, guys. How's it going? Uh, pretty much as we anticipated in the men's a routine victory in the end for Djokovic with maybe one tiny glimmer for Tsitsipas, but... Yeah, uh, safe to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Djokovic is still the dominant force in the men's side. No surprises there, really. He goes through the tournament only drops one set. Like, he's just the man to beat. Uh, it wasn't close in any of the games, really, after the dropped set. Like, there was never any sense... He'd, he'd win the first set 6-1 or 6-2 or win the second set 6-1 and you'd be like, okay, okay. Why, this is just... Why, why can nobody get close to him at the moment? Why are they all, it seems, beaten before they even go out? Yeah, it seems that way. Just, I guess, the, the records he has, the how good he is, say, even just looking at the Australian Open, how good his, his results have been there. You know, he's won his 10th Grand Slam there. It's kind of, our 10th Australian Open there. It's kind of hard to go up against someone who you know is in such form, who's so good at and his and his home slam as we called yesterday open for Djokovic um, it is a question about, for these guys like what do they need to do to beat him you know I'm even pulling my own hair out wondering like what do these guys have to do like Tsitsipas had a great tournament he was looked really good throughout the two weeks in Australia comes into the final and he just looks like a mediocre player against him you know Djokovic just seems to have this level above the rest of the guys that he can seem to tap into when he needs to when the going gets tough What about that 15 shot rally in the second set Tsitsipas had set point against Djokovic why, he was passive was he, was he waiting for Djokovic to make a mistake or was he just too afraid to level the match with Djokovic it looked in that second set like it looked like Tsitsipas definitely had a chance Djokovic looked very rocky like you could see he was visibly very frustrated and getting annoyed at his, at his team and whatnot, and, and didn't know what to do and when, when Tsitsipas had that set point he was passive it looked passive and you could see even in that moment Djokovic was a little bit nervous as, as his behaviour was through that second set but he was the one who stepped up and ripped this forehand winner to, to mm. hold to to, to win that point and then eventually hold so I mean in that moment Tsitsipas wasn't brave enough when he needed to be so I, I think Colm you gave us these stats about the number of uh, forehand errors that Tsitsipas yeah. 30 unforced forehand errors in the final is that um, is that why you're passive or is that why you look passive it's because every time you try not to be passive you're making a mistake or are you making those mistakes because you're too passive yeah well I mean going up against a guy like Djokovic you have to you have to take it to him so you've got to be aggressive Like, but he forces you to make mistakes so you look at that stat 30 on 4 stairs you think that's that's pretty bad it looks bad but I would say he was trying to be aggressive but Djokovic puts you under so much pressure that you end up making mistakes going for too much so like, it's kind of a misnomer to call them unforced in a way yeah yeah. Like uh, maybe you know. force would be more fair <laughs> in that situation yeah, yeah. Um, like is that a psychological thing because we talk about this with um, Sabalenka is that a psychological aspect that he has or is that just the power and consistency that Djokovic has? Because so when you're in the middle of a game, right, and you're playing this and you realise that what you're doing is not working, yeah. how easy is it to kind of go, OK, well, I need to go for broke here? Well, you go out against a player, like, you know, you shape your game about how you want to play initially. So every player has a plan A and a plan B. So you've got to be able to try to adapt in the moment. But like against Djokovic, you could throw the kitchen sink at him and it still doesn't seem to hurt him or have any effect on him so you know the different players who come up against him play different styles but it's still never enough to beat him whereas like Tsitsipas came out yesterday all guns blazing trying to play an aggressive game took it to him but just wasn't anywhere near him at the races yesterday but like 
sits past the strongest shot as his forehand. And Tim Hellman kept on saying in commentary yesterday in Eurosport, if this is against any other player, sits past would make that shot. He'd make this shot. Like, Djokovic sometimes doesn't have to play. It's all on the head of these players. And especially mm. like the Tsitsipas, Zverev, Medvedev team, that generation, those four, like seriously talented players, but they have this inferiority complex against Djokovic and Nadal. It's up to Carlos Alcaraz <laughs> now to change everything. Yeah, I think like if we were looking at those four you just mentioned there in a different era, we would these would be decorated stars of the game. But just because mm. Djokovic and Nadal are still around, they're just not they're not you know they're not quite getting that that fame that they they deserve. I mean, they're unbelievable tennis players. Like Sitsipas, his forehand as I said she's out the two weeks of the Australian Open, he was on fire yeah. with that. He comes up against Djokovic, and Djokovic is better better than him on all accounts. Forehand, backhand serve, everything essay. And that's not even Djokovic's weapon, his forehand. Well, you famously said on these very airways <laughs> that Djokovic would make 30 Grand Slams. You said it, what, about a year and a half ago? Yeah. He's on yeah. 22. Nick Kyrgios joined you in the prediction. He said 28 yesterday on Twitter afterwards. What's he going to end on? He's definitely going to end up over 25, 25 to 30. I mean, if he, if he can stay injury-free over the next two to three years, I think he can keep up this level. Um, I think he's going to win. Yeah, he's definitely going to win the that's next... Five. That's what even Nesovic's coach said after the match. He said he could go for another two or three years. Yeah. So like you'd expect if he keeps winning at this rate, that he will he will reach that quite comfortably. Like he, he seems to love adversity. The whole injury stuff at the start of the tournament, you're like, I mean, was he using this as a as a mechanism to kick himself on? Yeah. Obviously, you don't know how injured or otherwise he was, but uh, it seems to have worked for him either way. Yeah, well, like, I think adversity fuels Djokovic's fire. It just seems to work for him in a way that he can channel it into winning and, and we can see it time and time again he's not the fan favourite but he seems to just be able to channel that into putting it onto the, onto the match court and getting the results What was it about yesterday? He seemed to be having a go at Goran Ivanisevic as coach what in the it? middle of the match yeah, what, what's that about yeah, what, 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 does he, he seems to pick fights sometimes I think he was just looking for something yesterday in that second set like <laughs> things weren't going his way and he said afterwards he was he was looking at Djokovic you can see them eye, he was eyeballing them the whole way from the baseline to the, the sit down and he was saying that he was looking for help he didn't know what to do in that yeah. moment this is new though right this is the first tournament where the coaches have been allowed to coach during the tournament yeah yeah, but even Izovic wasn't even responding to him. He wasn't helping him really that much, but he was just trying. You could see he's a very emotional player and was in his day, but he was trying to stay very calm, but it was written all over his face. What, like what sort of coaching can actually help a tennis player in the middle of a match? Like at that stage, what, what, like, is it just minor things, addressing, swing? Like... Uh, the technical details of it what can they actually say to help them yeah but it's going to be nothing more than you were told in your pre-match before you go out on the court like you know you're playing your tactics against how this other player plays you're going to obviously know what they're doing what mm. their weaknesses are etc but the coach is watching from the sideline seeing what the other player is doing you can't see that when you're on the on the court as such maybe um, but it would be small things like you know serve your tea, your serve down the tee or use more to play more to his backhand or you know just those small things it's almost like those reassurances you need um, and then just like those few positive reinforcements that, that it's a funny dynamic though because the opponent can hear the, the advice too <laughs> so it's like well go to his backhand and the opponent can clearly hear it as well Fair. not in Serbian anyway well but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Patrick Reed is in the lead at uh, 18 under par. He's had a tap in birdie after a brilliant chip on the par five. McElroy is on the fairway watching that happen. Let's talk about Sabalenka because the psychology of the game is is really interesting. In in her, um, Colin's been talking about she had the yips last year at serving. She served underhanded, uh, and then all of a sudden she's the best server in the tournament and wins on the back of a really powerful serve. 
Yeah, there's a lot to that. Uh, last year, she she had a dreadful year serving the worst. Like I think she had she had 400 double faults last year over the course of the year, which is like a hundred more than the person next to her. Um, and she also hired a biomechanist to have a look at her serve, which is the first we've ever heard of in tennis. Like normally you get your coach to do that, but she actually hired help from outside. And I think whether that was psycho- psychological or technical it's worked for her and she seems to have turned it around and yeah she served amazingly throughout the the two weeks and since the kind of the latter end of last season she's turned her game around and she's much calmer now and playing with a lot more confidence and assurance in her game what was the whole Pam Shriver having a row with the coach and Pam Shriver was um, on Twitter going I hope that she finds a coach who's uh, treats her better as a whole human being is her coach particularly vocal Isabelenka, yeah. Um, I think last year she was looking to fire him at some stage. So I don't know. You know, like at this high level, there's such high stakes. You know, emotions run high all the time. I'm sure that like th- there's love hate relationships going on all the time. But no, I think he he's been with her for a few years now, and and this meant as much to him as it did to her. I think. How do you how do you change that psychology around the serving? Let's say so the Yips last year over 400 on first errors, but she had 17 aces in this final. Like so, she obviously has a talent. But how how do you go about changing that mentality from your own experience as well? Yeah, from I guess like when you have the yips on. I remember. Have you ever? Uh, did you ever have the yips? Well, on my backhand, I certainly had the the yips. Like more so, that's the toss on the serve. But on my back, and I remember playing, um, winning my first international tournament, and I couldn't hit a double handed backhand. I sliced the whole time because I just had convinced myself I couldn't hit a two hander, and then came back from winning that. So won my first international tournament title. You think you'd be high as anything? That whole week after in training, I hit my double handed backhand into the back fence for a week, and then it like settled down mentally just like calmed down and you know went back to basics and was able to figure out okay look there's nothing wrong with that I can do this trust yourself and it seems that Sablanka has kind of gone through that process obviously she's had the biomechanist in last year mm. helping with her serve but she's she even says herself she's now trusting her game she believes in herself a little bit more and she's now in those tight moments able to calm herself down and, and obviously work through those moments of nerves. I was reading as well that she spent a lot of time in between games in the gym to kind of take her mind off the tournament if nothing else obviously to help her physicality as well but that that sort of thing is crucial as well that people forget how much downtime these players have and how they spend that downtime in the middle of a tournament is, is fairly imperative. Yeah, and especially for Sabalenka, who's been to this stage, you know, of, of the Grand Slams before, she's been in three semi-finals before and had three tough semi-final losses. Like, and two of those you could put down to her mentality. She wasn't there. She she got nervous. Her serve let her down in those tight moments. So yeah, those latter ends of the tournament when there's not that many players around, there's not that buzz there. You need to do things to keep yourself occupied and keep your mind busy. And she seemed to have done that very well this time. We kind of uh, expected Schwantek to be the dominant figure in women's tennis, but maybe we're wrong. There's not going to be a dominant figure. There's going to be loads of players who come and have a, a, a 12, 14, 18-month period who win during that period where they're kind of uh, cresting to a peak. And that's what's going to happen over the next couple of years until somebody does emerge who is like the new global superstar. Well, I think we were all talking about Shantek and Shantek does have that talent to be the number one and we definitely can't count her out yet just with a few bad tournaments, especially when coming into the clay season now, I think she'll prove her dominance there. Um, I, if if Sabalenka can keep up this level that she has been showing the last month or two, she will be a dominant force, but it's whether she can keep that up, you know, when it comes to the bigger, the big tournaments like the Grand Slams, can she maintain that level? But at this level, she's scary good, like, but as we've seen in previous years, 
years she hasn't been able to maintain the level we've been talking about her but she would have peaks and troughs and obviously she was a bit of the mental well, she'd have a few mental wobbles but she seems much stronger now but if she can keep that game I think she'll be a, a force to recognise Is Sabalenka the most naturally gifted player on the tour? I think her and Ribakina are up there with that like they have this raw power like look at the two of them they don't okay they're six foot tall but they don't look necessarily as strong as let's say Williams and they play very much like Williams but they have this raw power that they seem to be able to generate which is something not all the players have that they have to work on that a lot um, Using a biomechanist would suggest it's not natural either that it's like uh, this is fully worked on that there's like a, you know the, she, mm. the, it's, not, it's not pure talent it's science as well Yeah but she, she always had raw talent though didn't she? She did have yes yeah, she did That's yeah. just, like we were talking about in 2019 that she was yeah. going to be somebody who'd be very good and then obviously the mental side plays a part in that but talent you know within that what what defines talent you know is is power talent because she has that but as she got the finesse and the touch and all the other like you look at Lonsa Jabour she's got talent in abundance in terms of she can do anything she can play with power she can play with slice she can play with spin she's probably got much more variety in her game whereas Sabalenka has that kind of raw power talent definitely so that's debatable um, you brought this racket in for our video watchers today yeah. can you tell us the difference right this is a question from Shane I think what's the difference between a club racket and a professional racket in terms of weight so it depends I guess on the racket um, sorry on the player do you mean club like you, you know you, you, like a racket I buy in one of the sports shops down, yeah. down the street today is that the same as a, a racket a professional would use you could buy yeah you could buy the same one that the, the professionals are using yeah. same level yeah. right yes yeah, so you just go in there and tell them what you're looking for but generally the, the guys is a shop actually for Swedish Tennis Club they're the best in the business in Ireland for, ta- for tennis rackets they'll know exactly if you tell them how often you're playing uh, what like how you kind of play what game style you hit power you hit spin um, and then they'll gauge male, female, what weight of a racket they'd give you. Most of the players are using heavier rackets than the the club level player. Um and you'll like they'll they'll have different names. So like this is called the the head radical yeah. light. So that would probably be more so for a club player. And then the the pros would have either radical pro or radical MP, which is just a different weight. Um, but yeah, you can go walk into the, off the street and buy a, one of the rackets that Andy Murray or Djokovic or, or Sublank are using. Could you win a grand slam with this racket? Yeah, I would have, yeah, if it wasn't for Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have played county. Yeah. That, that's a radical light, you play with the light. This is the light, yeah. I've been using that after an injury because right. of uh, the elbow. I wasn't able to use the heavier racket. Okay, so this is the one where's the weight distributed? So dep- again, it depends on the racket. So normally you can test if you like a lot of. That's rackets. very light, though, isn't it? Called it's really light. So, light, yeah. so you can see so. there if you if you yeah. weigh it up, the head the head is slightly heavier. Some of the other rackets, if they will sit like. That obviously doesn't, but some of them will sit like that, which means it's evenly distributed. But there, it's, it's head heavier. This is a stupid question. Like, there's no way you know, you're in cricket and rugby balls getting tampered with, and even in hurling as well. Like, there's no way to make that racket better for yourself. Like, there's no, there's nothing you can put in your hands to get better grip or or tighten the strings ever so. Oh, well, you can. There, there's always little things you can toy with. Like you can put little weights around. Like they have these little lead tape that you can put around to make the racket a little bit heavier if you want it to be head heavier. Because then your follow through, but obviously you have to drag a bit more through or accelerate a little bit more through, and that'll give you a bit more punch on it. And um, you can, yeah, the, the strings is a big thing. Like there's so many different types of strings available to to the players, um, and depending on the heat, depending on the balls, that all that will all affect the tension of the strings that they're using. And, and that's the all legal, though. You can do you can do yeah, what you want. All yeah. of that, yeah, allowed, yeah. Yeah. Right, just don't put a hole in the middle of your racket. That's the crucial. <laughs> well, just make sure you hit in the middle of the racket every time the sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's mad. I didn't realise you could go in. There's not, there's not many sports you can go in and buy the exact, 
You know, like uh, yeah. Murray could have that racket. Yeah. You know, I, I always thought there was this magic racket that all the pros had. But then they smashed them up so often, you're like, well, they must, they must have loads of them. Yeah, they, they, well, they do. They, you carry, they carry between six and 12 rackets in their right. bags. Yeah, all with kind of, well, some of the same and some with different tensions, depending on, like, if they start off in the daytime and then ends up in the nighttime, they'll have different tensions in the strings. And, okay. and that's why you see them changing their rackets. When they, ever notice when the new balls, mm. they change the rackets. So that's changing the tension in the strings then to suit the faster ball. All right, Jenny, good stuff. Thanks a million for joining us. Thank you, guys. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.